Hello everyone and welcome to our very first reality rundown here on This Week in Game Shows. This week we will be talking about the amazing race. Uh, I am two-time game show loser J.D. Lape and once again, as always, with me is aspiring game show contestant Adrian Perez. Adrian, how are we? Fantastic. Good week. Good week and I'm excited about this one. Awesome. Uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to be going into the Amazing Race. So, Adrian, now I've watched every season of the Amazing Race. This is actually your first season to watch it. Uh, I want to I want to know what your thoughts are about everything the 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 teams, the challenges. What have been your thoughts so far, just in general? Yeah. So a little bit of background on reality game shows. For me, this is my very first. Even my very first episode of watching anything Amazing Race related. Um, big Survivor fan, I'd say maybe season one through five. Then after that, never watched Survivor again. Um, but I've always been big on um, MTV Road Rules, Real World Challenges. Those I've watched every single episode of every single uh, challenge that's been on. Um, I've met a couple of the contestants on there. Um, shout out to Derek out there in Morgantown, West Virginia, a really good friend of mine I met who's been on several and won several of those. Uh, met him while I was living in West Virginia. Um, another one's obviously, you know, X Factor, uh, America's Got Talent, um, Dancing with the Stars, The Bachelor, very familiar with. Just Amazing Race, for some reason, didn't catch my eye. Um, however, there's a few uh, a few reasons I got onto this ep this season. Number one, I wanted to kind of expand my horizon anyway. <laughs> I was like, yeah, why not? Looks looks interesting. I like the premise of it. Um, but but what really did draw me in was some of the contestants on this year. So I'll start with, um, I'm a big sports fan, big sports person. I love the NBA. So Team Slam Dunk with Cedric Sabalos and Sean Marion. Cedric Sabalos was a Laker at one time and being here in LA and always being an avid Lakers fan. Definitely remember Cedric Zabalos. Um, Sean Marion's one of the great players as well, who's you know been around the NBA, well, was an NBA veteran for uh, quite a amount of years. So that definitely intrigued me. I also just came off of watching my first season of Big Brother. So Cody and Jessica, Team Big Brother, um, love him or hate him, I was kind of a fan of Jessica, Cody, not so much, but definitely I was intrigued by them. Um, and then every 4th of July, I love waking up and uh, watching Joey Chestnut devour, you know, 40 to 50 hot dogs dunked in water <laughs> as part of, uh, you know, nothing definitely makes you feel patriotic than someone eating a bunch of hot dogs out there in, in New York. So, um, and then, you know, some of the other teams, IndyCar drivers, I'm, I'm not big into IndyCar, um, but it is a sport. I'm familiar with some of the drivers and the names. So a lot of those is what really turned me on this season. Uh, yeah, you know, for me at first... I don't know if skeptical was the right word because maybe it is because the last couple of years, Adrian, uh, they've actually kind of done kind of sticky things with the Amazing Race. So uh, a couple years back, a couple seasons back, they did a, a blind date version. Uh, then after that, they also did a kind of YouTube star, Instagram models, Vine people, things of that nature. Um, and so when they were doing commercials of this, they um, talking about the most competitive season ever and listing off some of the teams. And we saw Team Big Brother and uh, people like Joey Chestnut was heavily marketed. Uh, and then the NBA players, you know, all, all for the same reason. They're very marketable faces. I was thinking, you know what? 
Part of me was like, I can't believe they're going to do another one of these seasons where it's just going to be all of these kind of marketable people, kind of like how they had a bunch of YouTube stars a couple seasons ago. But then on the flip side, I was thinking, well, you know what? If this season goes well and it keeps the race around for a little while longer, I'm okay with having to put up with a season full of NBA stars and all these other things. If it means we get to see more amazing race um, with more quote-unquote regular people and whatnot. Uh, but then once we started watching the shows, they're outside of the, the three you mentioned, Big Brother, IndyCar, and Slam Dunk. Uh, out, well, the Ring Girls as well, I would say, would probably have a, a decent social media following as well. But the other ones are regular people just happen to be in the quote-unquote competitive arenas. You have Team Yale, who were uh, one of the best debate on the best debate team in their college days, or Team Extreme, Christy and Jen, who are professional skiers. Um, uh, Trevor and Chris, Team Well Strung, they're dating violinists. Um, the Firefighters, Team Ocean Rescue, Team Goat Yoga. There, there was a, a good enough mix, I feel, between the, the quote-unquote celebrity, or even pseudo-celebrity, you could say, uh, versus the quote-unquote regular people. So I, I actually am really, in, I really enjoy most seasons, even the ones that are kind of have the shtick um, to it, just because I love the show so much, but... Uh, I'm really enjoying the season and the teams, all the teams. I haven't found one that I haven't really been able to root against, per se. Now, obviously, there's a couple I like more than others. Um, Henry and Evan, the debaters, Team Yale, being one of them. I, I actually, I'm actually a really big fan of them. But I've overall enjoyed the, the season so far with all the teams. Yeah, I, I could see that too. And again, I was too. I mean, you know, I, I, Again, some of these teams are the ones that drew me in and the reasons why mm -hmm. I started watching this. Um, but yeah, kind of seeing how some of the teams are and some are couples and some are not and some are friends. Some didn't really, you know, have a big connection between them. Um, but it shows also in how they finished and we'll go into that in just a bit and how they finished after each race and no one's really just dominated this year. You know, there's, there's some people who have kind of been towards the middle or some people who are always at the bottom, but it's, it's, it's been quite spread around as far as winnings and coming in first, second, third, and fourth. Um, and I think they've done so far. We'll also go into the challenges that they've encountered on the way here. But I think it's spread out between physical and mental um, evenly. It, yeah. it, it's kind of it's not geared towards one or the other, um, which is where I think you know a lot of the teams are going to have a level playing field. Yeah, and, and I think that's where the the best races come along when you have that good balance of physical and mental challenges. You really because really you don't want to see one, you know, overpower the other overall in, you know, along the race because then it's going to gear towards the two physical guys or it's going to gear towards, you know, the two highest IQ players. So, yeah, the best races have a nice mix. And uh, actually, to your point, Adrian, you're probably the, the guy that this season was kind of geared towards to because you had never watched the show. Uh, you saw some commercials and whatnot for them. You saw Team Big Brother. You saw Cedric and Sean. You're familiar with their, those faces, um, and they kind of pulled you in with that. Um, and that, and again, like uh, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm okay with it because if it does draw in people like Adrian and others, and according to the ratings, they've been the number one show on Wednesday in the Wednesday night eight o'clock time slot each of the three weeks they've been on. So. Whether that's a product of the time slot versus where they've been before or the contestants, either way, as long as The Amazing Race does well, 
they will be sure to renew it again for at least one more season. And I'm okay with that at the end of the day. And then uh, I was actually looking up uh, their the team's positions uh, on Wikipedia before we came on here. And like you said, it's been competitive, but there has been a split. The, the top five teams have been the top five teams all three legs. And the bottom six have been in the bottom six all three legs. The only exception being... Team Yale, who ended up getting to the uh, that race on the second leg where they had to get in the French fry costumes. Yeah, the head-to-head competition. Yeah, the head-to-head competition. Thank you. Yeah. They got their second, but because they lost race after race after race, they ended up in eighth place where Cedric and Sean, Team Slam Dunk, ended up in second um, in that leg. But you have Henry and Evan, which is Team Yale. Alex and Connor, which is Team IndyCar, Christy and Jen, Team Extreme, Trevor and Chris, who is Team Well Strung, the violinist, and Cody and Jessica, Team Big Brother, they've been in the top five each of the first three legs, with the exception of, like I said, Team Yale uh, losing all those head-to-head challenges. And for the rest of the teams, they've been sixth and below, with the exception of Cedric and Sean getting second place instead of third place on the second leg, which they would have gotten had there been no head-to-head competition. Uh, but then you have teams like like Joey and Tim. You know, you get the competitive eaters who have been 6th, 7th, and 6th. You know, those guys aren't used to being in that position, especially Joey Chestnut, you know. Um, but some, you know, especially in this last leg, the third leg, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. They could have gotten a higher position, but we'll get into that as we talk about the third leg later on so your very first episode of amazing race uh what were your thoughts going into it did you have any preconceived notions adrian and how did you enjoy that first episode it didn't want did it leave you wanting more yeah no not almost none again it's me basing things on what i see that i was like okay maybe there's a little bit of from the challenges in here there's some stuff from survivor and basically i thought they're going to do some challenges and encounter some obstacles in different countries that's pretty much the only conception i had going into it um i was very pleased i was surprised it was fun um Again, kind of seeing what they had to go through and seeing that it is a good um, mix between physical uh, and mental. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And again, obviously, I kept watching. So, you know, a couple, couple, three episodes in now. Um, now, again, I don't know or understand. Some of the things they've done this year are different, like the head-to-head challenges where they haven't done that in years past. Right. So based on the structure of this season, I enjoyed it. Don't know if, if it had changed much or there were different stipulations on how they picked teams before. I understand all that. So going back, I don't know if I can say, yeah, this is a show that I probably should have been watching. But as of late, as of this season, definitely something I like. Definitely something I'm going to keep going and watching. Yeah, Adrian. So with Cedric and Sean being one of your favorite teams, I'm assuming, since you're a big fan of them as NBA players, how worried were you that first episode uh, when they got to the roadblock? They are one of the first teams – Sean was having a bunch of trouble spelling that word. Then ultimately, when you get to the mat, they we all find out that they're going to get assessed a 30-minute penalty, which I have my thoughts on. But, Adrian, how are you feeling during that episode? All right, a couple things on that episode. Number one, I'm a jock. I've been playing sports since I was seven years old, all the way through high school. I played every season there was. And one of my biggest issues and problems are because I'm a trivia buff and because I'd like to say I'm pretty intellectual myself. 
that jocks are stupid and they don't know anything. So I'm rooting for for Sean and Cedric. And of course, there comes their first huge mental challenge and they're stuck. And it's about attention to detail. And here we go with the typical jocks who rely on just their brawn. They're sitting there and just can't pay attention to detail. And it's like with this challenge is why I first learned like, okay, this is going to be a big deal. And obviously we see that with later roadblocks and challenges later on, but it's like, you guys, get your shit together. There's a difference. And obviously speaking multiple languages myself, I know the differences between a tirde and an accent mark. So it's like, that's a big difference on how, number one, the, the words are spelled, but bigger, even more so on the, how they're pronounced. So I was really upset that he got stuck so long just mixing the O's and the P's. Then, of course, Cedric shouts out something, whether it was intentional to help him or not, or just kind of words of encouragement. Um, they got assessed a 30-minute penalty. Yeah, so that penalty could be considered kind of ticky-tack, but I think because of the situation they were in, having to spell out a word, the fact that Cedric yelled out, mind your O's and P's, and then it didn't help that there were actually O's, two O's in the word uh, that Sean was trying to spell. Now, if he had yelled out, mind your P's and Q's, which is the phrase that I'm more familiar with, uh, I'm not sure if they would have assessed the penalty. They might still have just because of the nature of the challenge being a, a spelling challenge. Um, but, I mean, I've seen in other seasons at other roadblocks, while, yes, technically the person sitting out is not supposed to help in any way, shape, or form, uh, the, the partner that's sitting out does yell out encouragement from time to time to their partner. And I felt that's all that this was. However, with that said, as I just mentioned, it, it, it's one of those gray area things where it has to deal with the challenge and, and the what he said. Um, I'm just glad it, it didn't cost them. It only cost them one position because uh, they had a 30-minute penalty. They had to sit out onto the side of the mat to check in once they saw Phil. And only one team came ahead of them. So they finished in ninth as opposed to eighth in the first leg. Uh, so I was happy because I like them. And, I, and that was honestly just an honest mistake too. So I had um, no problems with them saying that. And at the time, I was like, why are you giving him the penalty? But later on, I can see, yeah, I, I understand why. It, it was just an unfortunate situation just because if he says that in any other challenge, I think they're fine. It was just this was a spelling challenge, and then you're, you're saying mine's your O's and P's. And mind you, you can't see it because these letters are on blocks of ice. So they're engraved in blocks of ice. So it's not like Cedric sitting 100 yards away can see – the O's and whatever letters are on there. So it was just an unfortunate um, thing that Cedric yelled out to Sean. Yeah, and again, he helped the team before him win <laughs> by rearranging it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, again, just the understanding that, you know, with the accent marks are different. He might have thought he was right because, you know, to him, they're not familiar with other languages where the O is an O. Whether there's an accent mark on, on it or not, you know, that's still an O. So to him... He probably didn't know it was different or the same, and, and it probably didn't even cross his mind. So, um, yeah, and, but the rules are what they are, and they got the penalty. You know, it didn't hurt them too much. It was one place. They still survived another day, and then they bounced back on day two. Yeah. Uh, just to finish up leg one, though, it was literally the closest finish we've ever had on a leg in 30 seasons. So you got lucky to, for your very first episode to have this kind of finish. Um, literally a photo finish, one step away where we saw the ring girls 
lose out to Team Goat Yoga by literally one step as they were racing each other to get to the mat to check in. Right, and then obviously you're looking at that. I, I didn't understand that. I didn't know that, that wasn't a normal thing. So that definitely intrigued me. I was like, wow. Like, they were literally running at each other and, like, the person's inches away from you. So that, that was pretty exciting to, to for someone who's never seen it before and doesn't understand it. And if, if you're someone out there who doesn't, you know, understand everything about The Amazing Race or hasn't seen an episode, this is definitely the season you want to jump in because episode one definitely is like, wow, and, and it draws you back in. Yeah, and just to be clear, uh, both team members have to have at least one foot on the mat uh, to be considered to be checked in. And what had happened was, one of, I don't know who it was, but either Desi or Kayla from the Ring Girls was just one step behind the second member of Team Goat Yoga. And so by the time that they got their the last team member got their foot in it was too late and literally by a step um i think the closest thing i can think of without going into too many spoilers for you adrian there the run to the finish line in season two i believe had a similar ending to this it wasn't as close ultimately but it was still a race a literal race to the finish line um so yeah, if you ever go back and, and watch all the all the seasons, I Yeah, I'm not I'm not going back twenty nine seasons. <laughs> I'll start from here on. They've caught me, I'm a fan. I don't I need to go back because don't worry about just spoiler alerts. Uh, <laughs> the last twenty nine seasons of the amazing race. I'm good on that. All right, fair fair enough, Adrian. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, so when we get into the second leg, uh, we get into Belgium and the, the first roadblock I thought was kind of weak. It was the the sky climb. They had they had to race to get there, uh, pick a number, and then four te four teams at a time get to go on this thing. Basically, it's just a rope ladder uh, on a crane. And so what they do is they position you on the rope ladder, which is about uh, thirty meters or hundred feet long or tall, and they raise the crane. And as soon as the crane starts raising, you can like start climbing and grab your clue that's at the top of the ladder and. At the beginning, like I thought this was going to be a little more difficult than what it was, but nobody had trouble climbing to get their clue, but a lot of people had trouble finding the crane in the first place, <laughs> which the most egregious violation of this uh, is Team IndyCar, I believe it was Team IndyCar, got into a cab because they couldn't find it, told the driver what they needed to do, and he said, it's 100 meters behind you. Literally, 100 meters, 300 feet. You should have been able to see this. Now, Yeah, just just maybe look up. I mean, <laughs> or look up at the ceiling and the crane would probably be visible to you. Um, see, I'll chime in here. I liked that challenge. You know, it, it, I think it looks deceiving. Obviously, for someone with heights, it's a little scary. But to me, the big thing was, you know, Team Big Brother had Jessica do it, and Jessica killed it. She ran up there really fast. And then you had guys, Team Well Strung, who are very fit, very big. And when he came down, he said, my arms have never burned this hard before. And, and they're very fit. You know, they've got their big muscular guys. So it, I like the fact that it kind of shows, like, your muscles and your body weight are a little different as opposed to, like, agility. And Jessica killed it. She went up there, came down really quick. But they, they made a, a comment about how, how hard it was difficult. Um, so I, I kind of liked it, but I can see how you were like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> what I didn't like is maybe they should have put a little more thought into it. 
half of everyone's flags fell off before they even <laughs> had a chance to reach the top. So as they're on the screen, flags are falling off. So it kind of took away some of that. Did take away from me where it was like, okay, like they're not climbing up to get the flag now. It, it was a what. Well, it just wasn't complete to me, but but I did like that challenge. Um, but, I, yeah, I was kind of discouraged at how hard it was to find this large crane dangling in the air <laughs> um, when you knew what you were looking for. It wasn't like it was a hidden agenda, and they had to kind of put stuff together to, to understand, oh, it's a crane. They, they literally knew that it was a crane kind of yeah, something by the, the water. Air. Yeah, by the water, which, yeah. you know, unless they are on this ridiculous island, I, you look for the water, you go down the, the, the coast, whatever it is, you find it. But I, I was kind of... I didn't really understand how hard it was to find that thing. Yeah, I've been kind of perplexed about some of the teams here across all three legs. Now, from my understanding, it seems like the sky climb thing is an actual attraction there. That's the that's the gist I got from it. It wasn't something you know produced ex only for the Amazing Race, um, because it, the the cab driver did know what he was what Team IndyCar was talking about. And if that's the case, what why aren't you finding cab drivers? from the very beginning who know the city more than you do, you know, whether, regardless you have a map or not, uh, the local, you need to take advantage of the locals there. And I feel like we haven't been seeing that a lot lately, uh, or, or we haven't been seeing that, especially in the second leg, with, uh, which is kind of discour I don't know. Discouraging is the, is the right word, but it's just perplexing to me after watching this show for so many years, um, Adrian, as a first-time watcher, what were your thoughts about that as people were struggling to find this? Same. Again, you know, it was like, how hard is it to just ask? You know, I mean, I'm sorry, that's coming from a man. I know that's one of the things that we get, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, we get shaped toward... The most, yeah, for not stopping and asking directions, yeah. but it's pretty obvious in a different country, you don't know where you're at, don't have a cell phone or a map, you ask where you're going, the locals will know where it is. I also want to touch on how they, they tell them you have a specific dollar amount to use to get to this, I think it was $120. So you have $120 to get, you know, to use to get to this. Yet they never show anybody using it. I would like to have seen at least, you know, this cab ride cost this person this much money, or this person cost this much money, or Cody, you know, I'm just saying, you know, Cody and Jessica gave $20 to this person to help them find whatever. They don't, they don't use it enough this season so far that I've seen. I would like to see a tally to where if they say, hey, you've got, you know, 500 euros to get to this or to use this. I'd like to see how the teams use it, whether it's cut, you know, from airtime or what, but. You know, because like you said, if I'm someone, I, I want a tour guy. I'll find someone on the street who knows who looks street or something. Hey, look, here's 50 bucks. Help me find this place. Let's go. And now I've got third person <laughs> on my team. They're running with me. Whether that's legal or not, I don't know. But again, if they're, if they're telling them and they're stipulating, you have this X dollar amount to use to get to this place, I want to see how they're doing it and if they're using any money at all because they showed a couple people get in taxis, but I don't know how much that costs. I don't know if it's more beneficial mm. to walk or to run. 100 meters queue might be great, but if I'm only spending six bucks on it, take me that 100 meters, let's go. Every minute counts at this point, but I'd like to see more of that. Uh, in fairness, uh, you they've never really shown that. It's only really come up when teams run out of money and then they start trying to haggle with cab drivers saying, we only have this much money left, uh, please just let us go, things of that nature. So um, while that's interesting, and I never really thought of it in that way, uh, you, don't, you don't see that in, in any season um, in terms of like a, a running tally of how much they keep. Because yes, they, they do get X amount of money at the start of each leg. Um, and mostly that's for them for any kind of transportation, be it cabs or subways, buses, whatever public transportation they take. And that's also their food money. So like when they're stuck at the airport, 
they have to come to terms with, all right, well, how much can we spend to nourish ourselves uh, overnight? Because uh, my understanding is that they do get fed and whatnot at the pit stop once they check in. But sometimes, you know, you're spending overnight places in the airport or you're waiting for the train when the next train is until the next morning, things like that. And so you're, you're in a place for an extended amount of time without eating or really drinking anything. And so you have to budget your money, not only for the cabs, but your, for also sustenance as well. And like I said, it's really hasn't been an issue only when teams run out of money and in way back, um, during non-elimination legs, as we saw with Cedric and Sean get saved at the end of the third leg, back in the day, they would have to, if they were saved, they would have to get give Phil all their money and their backpacks, and they only had the clothes on their back to run the rest of the race with, and the charity of other people. Um, so you're saved, you're eliminated. However, due to coming in last place and not being eliminated, this is the penalty you incur, or this is what you have to survive on. Yes. Yeah, so now, and it's been like this for 10, 15 seasons, it's just a speed bump, which is just an extra task that they have to complete before they can go back and do the roadblock and detour. But back in the day, it was you gave up all your possessions, you gave up all your money that you had accumulated up to that point, you got no money the next leg, but if you survived it, you get to keep running regularly uh, you or well as regularly as you can with just one set of clothes yeah. but you would get you'd get money from every leg there on out just like the rest of the teams but okay. you would lose all the money you had saved up to that point and that leg after you would get no money so you'd have to rely on the charity of the local people and they would always make it the worst it would always be it would always be like a like an African nation or some, some poor nation. And you have these two Americans, you know, asking for money and to their credit, um, the people almost always would oblige and be so helpful and whatnot. Um, but I, I think it was turning into a bad aesthetic the way that they were having Americans with camera crews going around begging for money. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I, would, I mean, I would, I'm a little different. I would probably do some type of show or, you know, Dance and sing. God, I, God, I, I probably wouldn't get money either way. So either way, I, I, I'd be stuck. <laughs> Maybe he's almost gracious enough to pay me to stop. That's how I would get some money. But, but I understand that. But like I said, because the money had been issued in the past, or because they mentioned it to me, it's like, at least like to show it. Maybe not everything they spend, but show like, okay, like I always spent this much, that much. But maybe when it comes into play, or if it does, like you said, they'll elaborate more on it. But that's the only thing I had on that. Is the second leg was good. Um and then, of course, the twist comes where they go into a head-to-head -head competition that's never been done before. Um, I liked it. I liked the fact um, that there was something different. Um, but again, I had mixed emotions as that competition went on from seeing the first four races and then seeing the last four. I had different emotions when it started to when it finished. Yeah, I definitely had mixed emotions as someone who's watched this every season. Um I was okay with it um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it's just another competition uh, or another uh, task that they have to do, what, uh, whether it be a roadblock or a detour or whatever. It just so happened that it was just head-to-head -head 
as opposed to just everybody doing this and going out in order. And number two, I think I was okay with it because it was so early in the race. It was the second leg. There was 10 teams. Um, it's not like, you know, it was four teams racing to get into the final three. Now, what we do see, um, this will be back in the next episode. Uh, we got we saw from Phil during the the uh, the previews for the next episode after Cedric and Sean got saved. Uh, Phil mentions that the head to head challenge is back, and I'm not sure I'm going to like it if this becomes a continuing theme. Every so often, throw it in there. Yeah, throughout the season, like I'm okay. Like I said, I'm okay. I was okay with it because it was so early in the season. I would have been okay. I think I would have been okay with it as long as it's within one of the first couple of legs and it's only done once. Right. But if this thing is going to happen multiple times this season, I don't know if I'm going to like it. But I understand why they're doing it. Sorry, Adrian, just one last thought. Yeah. I think I know why they're doing it because they're billing this as the most competitive season ever and they need to be able to showcase that in what better way than to have these teams go head-to-head for the chance to stay in the race. Right. So, again, I liked it. As it went on, I had different emotions and feelings about it. Um, knowing that it's coming back again for the second time, I think I'm right there with you. Where I, I think I'll still enjoy it, depending on what it is, as long as this maybe is the last one. True to the point where they're, they're building it as the most competitive one ever, and the head-to-head competition is a big deal. However, I would like maybe a different spin on it, and this is maybe from where my challenge and other previous... Uh, reality shows uh, competitions come into play is maybe have the bottom two do it. Maybe if you come in in eighth or ninth, the two of you go head-to-head on a competition and mm. you have a chance to do it. So it doesn't completely take out the whole race and the whole leg you just did. Maybe let's have, or the bottom three, let's have seven, eight, nine compete at something and then the last one goes home. Or the, That's okay with me. But again, if you have someone who's been first and second the whole time, and all of a sudden they come into one of these and it's a shot for them to go in the top four. They lose one of these because of that. They've been consistent. Then I think that's where it's not the most competitive. I think it's the most even keeled competition you've ever had. Because competitive means you're competing. And if you're someone that's competing and finishing at the top every single time, you deserve some type of reward. Or you deserve some type of uh, justice to be held. It's, it's you know, not, not to go back too much into sports, but it's almost like the regular season means what if you're just going to go into a head-to-head competition at the end, everybody makes the playoffs, and it's one and done. That's how I kind of see it. Um, but I, I am curious to see the next one. Um, I'm okay with, I guess, the analogy I would say is, you know, skimming the fat off the top and taking some of these bottom-tier teams off if they're not competing regularly. But, again, make them compete for it. Make them come in this. You know, Cedric and... Um, Sean came in last place, and I didn't know they did this, being a first-time watcher of uh, Amazing Race, that they were not automatically eliminated. They didn't mention that throughout the whole time, or at least I didn't catch it. And all of a sudden, they show up last, and here I am thinking, oh, man, they blew it. Poor Cedric's going to have a heart attack. He's running with his backpack. He's had three already. Right. Um, my goodness, you know, and, and he's given it all he's got. Poor guys came in last, and then I find out they're saved. Okay, didn't know that, didn't see that. Yes, they're going to get something or some type of speed bump in the next leg. But again, maybe that's opportunity to say, okay, whoever comes in last in this next leg, you go head-to-head with Sean and Cedric. You guys battle it out. If you can win that competition, you stay in. If not, you go home. That I don't mind. We'll see what happens next week when it comes down to that. But that's how I kind of see it interpreted, you know, coming in as a first-time viewer of this. Um, And and again, depending on how they finish, who's going to be in it, who's it going to benefit, and who's it not going to. That's, That's the big question. Right. I actually actually uh, like that idea, Adrian, just having the bottom two or three end up 
duking it out because what we saw, we saw Team Yale. They finished leg one in third place. They got to the head-to-head competition in second place where they had to go against Cody and Jessica in the first race, but they lost race after race after race, ultimately falling all the way to eighth. And as you said, that's kind of the antithesis, I think, of what they're trying to do with these head-to-head challenges because you have this team that is very strong. They finished third. They would have finished second if it wasn't for the head-to-head. And then in leg three, they got a first-place finish. So essentially, their finishes have been third, second, and first. But because of the head-to-head and because they kept losing, they fell all the way to eighth. And what I think this is trying to do is, no offense to Team Goat Yoga, but, you know, I think those are the teams that they're trying to trim. Like, these are the, the teams that probably would stay down there. And as I mentioned earlier, we've seen that where the top five, the teams that have been in the top five have been in the top five every week with the exception of... Yale because of the head-to-head and it would be a shame to see one of those teams go because one of the head-to-heads is is difficult for that team on that particular day as we saw the race was for um, Henry and Evan. Right and and if I were I try to put myself in the same shoes as them if I were in this competition and race you if I know there's a head-to-head even if I don't know if there's a head-to-head coming up next what's my motivation for finishing first or second? That, yes, I, I have more opportunities to go into this. However, you know, things in the back of my head, and again, maybe this is our problem and we read into this too much, but that's <laughs> yeah. why we have a podcast and we're talking about it. What is my reward for coming in first, second, or third as opposed to saving myself, gathering my energy, making sure I'm not tired, coming fourth or fifth, knock somebody out like Team Yale who's been doing it two or three or four times and is tired and exhausted. Yeah. I'm fresh. I'm relaxed. I'm at ease. I think it should be, again, like I said, Let's say you finish top four, you're safe. That's your reward for finishing top four, for continuing to compete, for thriving to be one of the best. And if you don't, now it's also sending a message to those last night teams, you're not safe just coming in fifth or sixth and kind of just galloping along and staying with the pack and then thinking at the end you're going to sneak into the top. That's where it says, okay, now if you come in the bottom half, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth on, whatever you want to make it, now you're competing and you have a chance to go home. So step your game up, make sure you're one of the first, because if not, you're going to be one of the last. And I think that's how they should split it up. Um, I think it's just unfair, you know, for the first couple teams to have to do it and have a chance of being eliminated on a one-off when you've been competing the whole time. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's chance because there might be skill involved, but it could be something that they're just completely good at. And it's the one thing, you know, that they're good at or one thing that you can't do, and that's going to send you home when you've been consistent all race. Um Again, it's like the sports team where every team should make the playoffs. No, that's why you have buys, and that's why you have certain incentives where if you come in so so well or do a certain amount of uh, progression in the regular season or in the major leagues, you get rewarded. So we'll see how this competition goes. We'll see if <laughs> Team Yale hopefully comes in first and doesn't have to go through what they did. But <laughs> uh, it's very interesting. And if anything, it's creating controversy, and it's creating discussions of topic like we are now, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I guess the one thing that we could look forward to is is will people implement a strategy like that where they would say, all right, let's hang on so we don't have to potentially race as much because you had the firefighters would have come in last place and would have gone home on that leg if it weren't for the race. And they had to go up against Team Goat Yoga, um, who just with the eye test, I would say the firefighters are probably more athletic or in terms, at least in terms of having to take a dolly with eight bags of these uncooked french fries and take them around this obstacle course 
Um, and these guys pretty much do obstacle courses every day, carrying live bodies or dead weight around. That's right up their alley. Yeah. So just on an even playing field, you would I think you would give them the advantage. And then on top of the fact that they only had to run the one race, whereas Goat Yoga had to run one race before that, which they lost to Henry and Evan. And they elected to go the same person run the race back to back. So she's already yes. fatigued. So yes. that's when, again, that's now the strategy comes off where Go Yoga thought, well, you've ran the race. You know it already. You did a decent job at it. Do it again. Mm-hmm. Not considering the fatigue factor to where I'm tired of pulling this. Now I'm unfortunately going up against a firefighter who is used to this. And part of their job in training is to carry dead weight around and pull it through an obstacle course. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how far it goes along. We'll see what kind of uh, um, tactics are used. Um, but, again, hopefully it doesn't take off one of these top teams who have been consistent all the way through, which was our point in the very beginning that the top four or five have stayed the same. Um. Yeah, uh, we get into the third leg, and I thought we were going to have our, our, our first shake-up, really, because before the leg even started, they were interviewing a couple of teams, doing their confessionals and whatnot, and it started with Team Extreme, Christy and Jen, discussing how they were now, on leg three, the only remaining all-female team left in the race as all female teams came in last place and were eliminated in the first two legs. And I thought, okay, well, this is one of two things. They're they're either going to go home tonight, they're going to come in last place, or they're making it to the finale. I, I don't... If, if they're making mention of that fact already, whether it's... It is true, so it's a fact, but if they're highlighting that now, it I figured it was one of two things. Either going home or they're going to make it to the finals or semifinals or whatever, um, just for an editing standpoint. And when they got off to such a bad start and they got in their cab and they, their cab took them to the wrong place and they had the language barrier issues, uh, I thought, well, this is it. that We're going to see our third all-female team go home tonight. Um, but once they ended up getting to the first task, which was uh, the, the fish port where they had to put all the fish in the bucket and uh, getting ready to sell at market, they made up a lot of time. They were the last to get there, and they and out of the nine teams, I believe they left fifth or sixth. So they they are a force to be reckoned with, um, as shown by their performances, where they finish first, third, and third now across three legs. Yeah, so they're the only team who hasn't finished anything lower than third. Mm-hmm. Their third is the lowest. They're the most consistent team, probably as well. Um, you know, Henry and Evan. With Team Yale, unfortunately, finished eighth. You know, due to that one, and then you have Cody Jessica who finished his last one fifth. Um, so Christy and Jen, most consistently in the top three. And again, watching these shows, you know, once you get a lot of airtime, you're either crushing it or you're going home. Yeah. No one ever goes home and say, "Oh, who were they?" It's usually once once you start reading the episodes, and they're concentrating on that team. You're like, "Oh, this is their episode. <laughs> this is their swan song." It's almost like American Idol when they show the recap. These shows do it beforehand, so you can kind of read into it and see it. But um, again, I think it's just their attention to detail. They, they're probably not the most physical teams, but they are skiers, and that's a, that's that's an athlete, and that's something that you know takes endurance. And they've got that little. So far, they're they're clicking. Okay, um, they've encountered obstacles. More so than the other ones, I think they've overcome them. Um, we'll see how they do in the next co- next couple episodes. But they, they they surprised me. I thought also they were going yeah. home, and I thought, oh man, these, these, they they can catch a break. Um, <laughs> but they did what they had to do again, finish third place. Um, and I think they've 
definitely a force we reckon with. I think where people were looking at Cody and Jessica, Team Big Brother and Team Yale, um, Team Extreme kind of slowly snuck into there, and everyone was like, "Oh man, these guys, these two ladies are finishing really well." Yeah. Speaking of attention to detail uh, that you brought up. One team that has not been paying attention to detail has been our 4th of July hot dog eaters, Joey and Tim. Um, after that fish port uh, challenge, they had to go to a market, uh, meet this man, and grab the Travelocity Roaming Gnome, uh, and then they would get their next clue. They were literally in the shop, two feet in front of the gnome and first the ones. gentleman. They were the first They were the first ones there. I should say they were the first ones. Inside of this shop, literally standing two feet in front of the roaming gnome, the Travelocity gnome, and this gentleman that they had to get their clue from, and they did not see them. They left, and ultimately, they were the last team to begin the roadblock, which was the clue that they would have gotten from that gentleman. Um, and then fast forwarding to the end of the episode, when they were looking for the pit stop, they heard the music, they were at the castle, the palace... And instead of following the music, they were, they halfway down the hall, they decided, let's turn back and look somewhere else. And if they weren't in the middle of the pack, that really could have cost them this leg. And they even mentioned it themselves that they need to slow down and pay closer attention to detail, which can be said for a lot of teams over the seasons. But it, it takes uh, a certain type of person and someone who is in such a competitive uh, field like this to step back and actually critique their performance while they're uh, competing and say, hey, we need to do this and do this better so that way we could actually win this thing. Yeah, and I think part of it is, like you said, understanding and knowing what you need to improve on. But it's knowing your strengths and weaknesses. They're not the most physically fit. They're professional eaters. So, yes, they are athletes. They do have a workout regimen. But they're different from the skiers and the basketball players. Um They've got to understand that what they've got going for them is they have to pay attention to detail. They have to know certain things. You know, I think that's what's um, helping Team Extreme. Uh, Christine Jenner, we just finished talking about. The attention to detail is what's going to help you through this the most. Your physicality is going to be what it is. There's a limit to that. There's a limit to what you can do. Cedric almost died doing what he had to do. Um, but you've got to pay attention to detail. It almost looks like when they were in... The the dance hall, you know, with the belly dancers, they were just having fun. Yeah, especially were, Joey. <laughs> yeah, Joey was a little distracted, yeah. you know, with uh, with the women dancing, and you know, but it's uh, who's to say I wouldn't be also. Right. But you've got to pay attention to detail. Everybody got the words done really quick. It's almost like they weren't looking for them. It was almost like they were just waiting for the words to appear. Um, and they've got to, I think, concentrate more so on the clues that are given to you and what's in front of you because. They're just running around, um, and I think that's definitely not going to win you this race. They they are very fortunate they got the finish they got because they're not paying attention. They did realize that. Once they got on the mat, they, they acknowledged, hey, we need, we need to pay attention to detail a little bit better. But they're one of those teams that are on the bottom tier and have consistently been on the bottom tier. Um, these next couple episodes, uh, we'll see how they fare. But I... As much as I like them, um, personally, I, I don't see them as a threat. I think they're one of the teams that unless they get their um, stuff together, I'll say they, uh, they're they they're, they're fodder, and they're not going to last long. Yeah, uh, Joey and Tim with uh, finishes of 6th, 7th, and 6th over the first three legs. Um, they're almost that – out of the teams in that bottom tier um, – 
you can look at the NBA players, you can look at the competitive eaters, just because of the nature of their sports and whatnot, they already have a following compared to the other people in the bottom half. You can sort of see those guys. I, I don't want to call them lovable losers, but they're they're the guys who are at the bottom of the pack that you just want to keep rooting for. Like they mean well and they're trying their hardest. And sometimes now, as you'll see later on, there are things that come up uh, where teams can impede one another. And so you'll see that moving forward. Um, and for those of you that watch the show, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, that's how some of these bottom tier teams can get ahead of the upper tier teams because you know who the threats are. And those are the teams you kind of target with these uh, with these actions to try and have them slip up and get them eliminated. So I could I could absolutely see Cedric and Sean, and or Joey and Tim, or any of them, Eric and Daniel, the firefighters, or Lucas and Brittany, Team Ocean Rescue, the lifeguards. Um, I could see one or more of them getting into the final four or five because uh, I don't think it's going to end up being ultimately. Uh, the top five teams we have right now, as we mentioned earlier, I don't see them being the final five just because um, there's so much at stake and these teams are all going to be cutthroat and not want those teams around. So Right, yeah, those are those teams that again, are going to be on that cusp, that are going to sneak in because people don't see them as threats. Exactly. So in other games, you know, like the challenge, we call those teams the layups. They're kind of the teams that are off to the side. They're not a threat to you, so you're not going to bother them. You're going to kind of let them play their game. If they get eliminated, they eliminate themselves. But they're almost the ones to where you kind of want them to be in your top two or three because that's a team you definitely know you're going to beat. Right. That's a team that is, if it's up there, you definitely know, hey, we got these guys. So if you know something comes up to impede another team or if you have to penalize another team or if you're going to be competitive with one team, it's usually the teams that are a threat to you, a team that you know is going to be someone you don't want to face in a final competition. Um, so, yeah, it's usually hard for those four or five in any of these reality shows or challenges to stay that way. Um, it's almost like the battle for the alpha male, you know, to where there's only going to be one and then the other teams are either going to be there because they hang on or um, choose some type of alliance, which I think in the amazing race doesn't happen, but the... Not too often, but sometimes teams work together. Yeah, but again, they're going to work together to beat up a team that's a threat to them. Mm -hmm. They're not going to work together to beat up a team that's not relevant right. to them. So that's how some of those teams get in. And I think they have it. I think if they just realize what their weaknesses are, Get their stuff together and say, hey, look, we got to pay attention to more detail. Kind of stop trying to be the hare and be more of the tortoise. They'll make it eventually. Yeah. Uh, one last note that I want to I want to go over with you, Adrian. Uh, the last thing over these first three uh, legs that uh, I noticed. We've had our first kind of inter-team drama. It happened in the third leg where Brittany from Team Ocean Rescue had to go to this payphone uh, with her Travelocity Gnome, and with her was Jessica. Uh, Jessica, as Brittany was on the phone, said, here, let me hold your gnome for you. And she and Jessica set it down. And once Brittany got the information and her next clue, she left her gnome at the payphone and ran off where you're supposed to keep your gnome with you at all times for the remainder of the leg. And Jessica noticed it, uh, but she didn't say anything. And now in... In this kind of setting, uh, what did you think of Jessica's actions, Brittany's actions? Do you think 
Jessica should have grabbed it and ran it to her or what what do you think it was on purpose you know what what do you think Adrian what was going through your mind when you saw that all right so first of all let me say I loved it I loved <laughs> the fact that there was drama I love the fact that something different happened and it was interesting to see how they reacted now from the beginning Jessica offers to hold it for her she's doing her a favor because it does look like um she's fumbling I'm sorry when I say she I mean uh, Brittany Brittany is she has a note in her hand. She's trying to put the coins in the, and, 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 and use the phone. Jessica's, here, I'll hold your gnome for you. She does that for her. Whether she puts it down on the floor or whatever, you knew from the beginning when you got that gnome that you have to have that gnome with you no matter what. Put it down, cool, watch with the other eye, understand it. Again, it's part of the paying attention to detail. Right mm -hmm. after that, she sees everybody else leave with the gnome. It's pay attention to the detail. I've got my gnome. Let's go. It's like every day when I walk out of my house, it's wallet, keys, phone. I pat myself down. I've done it when I'm in bars. I do it, you know, sometimes when I have a friend drive. I feel, oh, my God, where's my keys? Yep. Oh, you drove. Okay, I remember. It's <laughs> just something that you know you have to do and check it. When you're in these types of races, number one, pay attention to detail. We just finished talking about that. Number two, it's cutthroat. Mm -hmm. Jessica saw it, realized it. Cool, I'm going to keep going. Hate to say this, but if that was me, I'm hiding your gnome. <laughs> if that was me, I'm putting that gnome either behind someone's counter or down the alley. I might have even, I don't know the rules, so I don't know if I would have taken it with me if that's cheating. But I definitely would have said, hey, look, she forgot her gnome. That's on her. This is not something to where, like, another challenge is you're creating alliances or having people help you. I think it's just the two of you against the world. So, unfortunately, I wouldn't have. Now, had it been other stipulations where they're working together or if they say, hey, look, whatever. Yeah, cool. Hey. Your gnome. Don't forget your gnome. Hey, I got it. Or hey, I'm picking up your gnome for you. I'll bring it to you. But in this case, I think all's fair as long as you're not impeding on purpose with any disregard to the rule. I'm on Jessica's side with this. I think she did what she had to do. Um, she understood it. I don't think there was any malicious intent from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But yes, when she saw that, she forgot her gnome. It clicked. Hey, look. And she says it. That's on you. You forgot your gnome. Um, I'm okay with it. I don't know how Cutthroat Amazing Race has been before. Uh, but seeing other challenges and knowing and understanding that, hey, if that were me, I would have done probably the exact same thing. Yeah, so in terms of seasons past and whatnot, I'm not sure if it's against the rules to take off with someone else's gnome. I'm assuming it would be or to purposefully hide it. But in this case, I am going to put the onus on Brittany, not Jessica, because, I mean, th there was a couple of groups working together at the roadblock. This is at the end of the roadblock itself, so there's still um doing it and Jessica and Brittany were part of a group that was working together they were at the phones together and yes I from what the show the TV show showed us the viewers it did seem like it was an honest mistake Jessica did take it from Brittany and set it down right next to the payphone as we saw uh, so that way Brittany could have an easier time working the telephone as you had mentioned uh Adrian and so the ultimately the onus does fall on Brittany because yes, that gnome is your responsibility. It, and um, I think if anything, maybe Jessica could have given the gnome back to Brittany as soon as she was off the phone. But ultimately, I'm not that upset with what transpired because she just did set it just right on the ground next to them. It wasn't she didn't hide it behind a counter or around a corner. She wasn't, you know. 
she didn't go all Adrian on it and be like, I would have hit it, you know? Like, no. Nah. Yeah, you know, would have been in 30 different pieces and you would have had to construct a puzzle to get your name back to the way it was. Yeah, so, so ultimately, Brittany, like, you have, like, that's the attention to detail. She had to know that she had to have the gnome. And in the excitement of the race and trying to get done, she forgot it, um, which is easy to do. But ultimately, I, I think it is her fault. Maybe it's like 90 10, if you want to say it. Um, but I also don't necessarily blame jessica for um taking time out of her race to go back and find britney and find her gnome and make sure that everything was all hunky-dory like no you you have your gnome you have to you have to keep going um now whether that's going to come into play later on and what their relationship is going to be like with between big brother and ocean rescue or big brother and the rest of the teams you know once once this story goes around i don't know if that's going to be an issue but yeah, you know, it's funny. I just last night watched um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and it's 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 Harry Potter and Cedric Diggory. For those of you who understand and know, you know what I'm talking about. But there comes a certain point when you're on your own, and there comes a certain point where it's like, yes, I'm going to help you, and you can help me, and you know, we'll be great. But there's going to come a point where it's going to be me against you, and you better bind your O's in peace, and because that's what's <laughs> essentially going to hurt you, and that's what's going to put me a uh, leg over you. Yes, and we're going to mind our O's and P's, and we're going to let you go after listening to us for all this time. Uh, thank you for listening to us once again. This was a recap of the first three episodes of The Amazing Race. We hope to bring more reality rundowns to you uh, over time, including The Bachelor, MTV's The Challenge, and then once other shows come on, uh, Celebrity Big Brother, Big Brother Over the Summer, Survivor, you name it. We'll try and cover it. Um We'll use the hashtag reality rundown on top of the hashtag twigs uh, for this week in game shows. Adrian, any final thoughts? No, I'm a fan. You know, like I said, it's, it's competitive. It's it's a good kind of mix of all the reality uh, game shows or prize shows you can, you can ask for. I'm very interested to see how these teams progress um, and kind of who emerges. It's a season I'm glad I jumped into, um, and we'll see how it goes. Excellent. All right, guys, if you want to hit us up and let us know and give us uh, your thoughts, again, hashtag twigs, hashtag reality rundown, and you can hit us up on Twitter at This Week Game Shows, T H I S W K Game Shows. Once again, blame Twitter for putting a limit on the amount of characters we can have in our handle. So we had to shorten it to this wk game shows uh for adrian perez i am jd lape we'll see you next week thanks guys later bye